Welcome to our next session of Common Sense Therapy. Years ago, I was asked to write a book containing my life experiences. I didn't really want to because I didn't think people would appreciate my take on things, but I finally gave in and wrote my book. I couldn't figure out a title for it, so I thought, you know, you'd mull things over in your head and finally came up with because of experience. Why? Well, because my life is full of experiences. I've had more than most, and I've managed to learn lessons from them that most people don't learn. Even my college professors would say so when I was writing papers. We would have to write papers on certain subjects that we were required to analyze and issues that we had gone through. And inevitably, my professors would come back to me and say, I've never heard anybody who learned that lesson from that experience. I can't believe you did that. How'd you do that? I don't know. I just did. So I decided that all of this experience had to be worth something, not just for me. And I came up with my own form of experiential therapy. If you Google it or look at the textbook, experiential therapy is where you help your client use experiences to get over issues. My form of experiential therapy is using my experiences to help people learn lessons, prick ideas, not get defensive about changes that need to be made. I tell a lot of stories and I use a lot of my own personal aha moments, lessons, examples to help other people learn what they need to learn without having to go through what I had to go through. My experiences also tend to be in the extremes, which is really funny because I've always told people, you can't live in the extremes, except me, I guess. That's how I do it. <laughs> so you get your best examples in the extremes, and I tend to live a lot in the extremes, so I get my best examples. <clears throat> so within this experience, it is also about lessons that I have learned from my experience. So we are going to be following along with my book. Now here's my shameless plug for my book. It is called Because of Experience and you can purchase it, the audio off of my website. However, um, I will be covering things and if you don't want to purchase my book, then you can just listen to what I have to say. I had a client once ask me how to do stuff. Uh, she wanted to be able to, um, well, do things on her own. And I taught her a whole bunch of stuff and she came back to me and she said, I don't need you anymore, Mandy. And I said, well, here's the deal. I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. So if you want to use the companion book along with what I say and then use me as a resource also, you're getting the triple play. If you just want one or the other, then you're getting the single. So more bang for the buck. Now, the things that we'll be talking about within my book are 
what truth really is, what boundaries really are, and how to have them, what balance actually is, what it means, what function really is, and how we confuse words and come up with the wrong meanings and messages and can't fix our issues because of that. I did have a client at one time come in and I started talking to him and giving him my introduction and he said, it sounds like a sales pitch. I said, I am no salesman. I'm not good at it and I don't like it. It is no sales pitch. It is me. I say what needs to be said and I do what needs to be done. You can like it, you can hate it. It doesn't change the fact that it is as we are going to now move on to and define and discuss, it is the truth. And I make sure that I live my life in the truth. Truth is simple, it is not complicated, but there are a lot of components to what it actually is. And we're gonna look at a lot of these different components, how they measure truth and how we can learn to use them to live more in truth. I tell my clients every time I start a session, I deal in truth. And what I get is, yeah, yeah, so do I. Like, mm, no, you don't. Because guess what? Truth is hard. Truth isn't pleasant. Puppy dogs, rainbows, unicorns, and sprinkles all the time. Sometimes truth is harsh and mean and not what we want to hear. Everyone claims that they love when people speak the truth until they actually speak the truth and then they don't love it. How do I know this? Because I speak the truth and I'm hated by an awful lot of people. <laughs> that's how I know it. People only say they love the truth because that's what they're expected to say. When you actually start speaking the truth, trust me, you're gonna start making some enemies because people think the truth is mean. Now, I am going to share parts of who I am, parts of my life, and parts of my experience in this podcast, just like I would do it in a session with a client. So you're going to learn some stuff about me. My parents disowned me about 10 years ago. And when I was uh, talking to my brother at one point, my brother t informed me that I sounded really mean and bitter about our dad. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, well, yeah, I am. The thing is, I grew up with telling the narrative, the story that I had been told I needed to live and learn and share and experience and it wasn't the truth. It was a big fat lie. What I informed my brother was, if my dad doesn't want to be portrayed in that way, then he shouldn't do it that way. I wasn't the one who chose to act like that. I was simply done covering up for it. So when you start living in the truth and speaking the truth, people will call you mean and rude not mean, not rude. My dad is not a very good person and he has not made very good choices. 
that is not my call. I didn't do that to him. He did that to himself. Now he puts up the front that he's a very good person and people believe it. But behind closed doors, he is not always that way. So just because I am willing to say that he doesn't make very good choices does not mean I am mean. I'm not judging him either. I am not yelling, swearing, calling him names, kicking his cat, or toilet papering his house. I am simply stating what he did. Like I said, if he doesn't want me to say that, then he shouldn't do that. Now, my dad had a saying when I was growing up. Perception is reality. I hate this saying, and you'll soon learn why. I am right now, for those of you who are not looking at the video and you're just hearing me talk, I am wearing the most fabulously red sweater you have ever seen in your life, except I'm not. I'm wearing a striped sweater with blue, green, and orange stripes on it. Now, if my perception is that I'm wearing this gorgeous red sweater, is that reality? Or is that just what I want to believe? So the problem is perception is not reality. Perception distorts reality. If we have the wrong perception of people or ourselves, then we are not looking at things in truth. So the first step towards living in truth is checking your perception with the facts with reality. If I walk outside on a beautiful 80 degree sunny day without a cloud in the sky and I say, my word, this snow is deep. I am not checking my perception with the facts because there's no snow. Now, I know that seems like it should be common sense. Ah, common sense therapy. Here we are. You're going to hear this a lot. It makes a lot of sense, but people don't look at it this way. I had a client once who said, Mandy, what you say is so simple. When you say it, it's like, well, duh. And I said, okay. And she said, well, but it's also so profound. It's simply profound. So she dubbed me simply profound. All right. The next step that you need in order to live in truth. And I have told my girls this the entire time they were growing up. If you can sit in a room by yourself and be okay, then you are okay. As a person, you live in truth. You don't need anything there making you okay. So what does that actually mean? I mean, we've heard the comparison before about the optimist and the pessimist where the boy sits in the room with all the prizes and all the presents and he hates it. And then the other boy with the manure and he's looking for the pony in there somewhere. That's not what I am talking about. What I am talking about is being okay with who you are with not questioning who you are, good and bad. And this comes to balance, and we'll talk about that later. But you have to be okay with every part of you or be willing to change the parts you aren't okay with. When I was growing up, 
I was at uh, my job and there was this guy and he was very quiet. And I went to my supervisor and I said, this guy doesn't talk a whole lot. And he said, no, he only talks when there is something he feels he needs to say. I thought, huh, that's an interesting concept. The thing that I learned from that is that what you think when you don't have to is who you are as a person. What you say when you're not required to speak is who you are as a person. This is where truth lies. So if I am sitting in a room all by myself and I have no way to hide from myself, then I am okay. I don't want to crawl out of my skin and run away. I know I'm living in truth. Okay, how do we hide? Lots of ways, lots of ways to hide. You can basically find ways to hide in everything. Now there's the socially acceptable ways to hide and the non-socially acceptable ways to hide. Most people know about self-medicating and drugs and hiding in shopping or eating or <clears throat> sleeping around or whatever you want to call on the negative side. But then people say, socially acceptable ways to hide. What are you talking about? All right. In high school, my nickname was The Blur. The reason my nickname was The Blur is because I was the orchestra president. I played the cello and the piano. I took private lessons. I competed with the orchestra and uh, on a solo level. I also went and I had a quartet that performed around the valley. I was in drama. I competed and performed in musicals. I was the student director. I was the props mistress. I would go out of town and do competitions all over the place. And then I would come home and I would audition for the musicals and the plays. I was the debate president as well as the top debate team, and I could compete in any individual event that you wanted. I also ran the debate tournaments that we had to throw. I was in AP English, AP History, AP French. I was my French teacher's aide. I was on the honor roll every single semester that I was in high school. I also took dance and taught dance. If there was an activity to do, I would do it. I was the president of every uh, women's organization, young women's organization I was a part of when I was in high school. I also, you know, babysat in my spare time, because why not? And I was a show choir accompanist. <laughs> Whew, I was the blur. The thing was, if I was so busy running around doing all of these things and being the quintessential overachiever, then I was doing good, wasn't I? I was contributing to my life and society, except that I was hiding. I didn't have friends and I didn't like my family life. So it was easy to be off and be busy. My schedule was always full. There was never any room or time for anything. On occasion, I would get a day off here and there. And 
I would call up people and ask them if they wanted to hang out. And I got the reason I was the blur. Nobody ever wanted to hang out with me. So it just reminded me that I really didn't have friends. I didn't really fit in. I didn't really like myself and other people agreed with me. Funny story though, my brother was older than I was and he was married and he was expecting his uh, first kid and my parents were going out of town. I was 16, uh, maybe 17 at the time. And no, I was 16. Sorry. And uh, my parents still wanted my older brother to watch me. And he said, what do I do? And my parents jokingly said, put a cookie out on the counter if Mandy gets, if it's gone in the morning, you know, she's okay. If it's not, worry. So I come running in the door on one of my many occasions of running and I see this cookie on the counter and I'm like, sweet. And I grab it and I eat it as I run out the door. When my parents got home, my brother said, I thought you were joking, (laughs) but I put a cookie on the counter and it was gone. So I knew she was okay. (laughs) So the blur. (laughs) So You can hide in any way that you choose. I chose by staying busy. What could people say? I wanted to go to college. I needed my college application to look good. And that was the way to do it. I tell people all the time, if you have to say it, it isn't. Now, what does that mean? All right. If I am a comedian and I tell you a joke and I say, that was funny, right? It's not funny. Nobody's laughing. If I am needing to take a test and I walk into a room and I announce to everybody, I am ready for this test. I am going to ace it. I'm probably not. The person who's going to ace it is already sitting at their desk. They take their test, they get up, they walk out, they're done and they've aced it. If I am telling you that I am a good person, chances are I'm not. Now, I said, if you have to say it, it isn't. Truth doesn't lie in explain, not lie in explaining yourself. Truth lies in saying, like I said, what you say without having to say anything. Ah, there it comes, full circle, right? Okay, so (laughs) what does that mean? Well, it means that if I have to tell you something, you can't figure it out without me showing it, then I am not doing it right. I am not living in truth. I don't express love the same way that other people do. I am not a warm, fuzzy, sappy type person. You will figure this out after listening to me for a while. And my girls know that too. Frequently, what I tell them is, I don't love you. Get out of my house. Why are you here? And everybody laughs because I had all of that sappy stuff used against me. And so it doesn't mean anything to me. I had a friend of my daughter's ask her one time, how does your mom show love? And she said, watch her. Don't listen to her, watch her. What she does, how she shows up. My daughter, when she was in college, her roommates thought I was the scariest mom. 
but then would turn around and say, my mom would never do for me what your mom does for you. Exactly. My girls know that they can count on me anytime to show up the way they need me to. I live my truth. I don't just speak it. So a lot of people will use justification, rationalization, and explanation to make sure that you know that what they're doing is truth and right and healthy, and it's not any of those things. If you have to say it, it isn't. Now, there are times where I am doing something and somebody looks at me with a questioning look on their face and I go, are you a little bit confused? And they're like, yeah. So I will explain just to bring clarity to the situation. It does not change what I am doing. It simply brings clarity to the situation. So giving explanations is not a bad thing. Using explanations to justify is. Rationalizing is unhealthy. And justification is unwarranted. If you can't do it without those three things, then you need to look at it closer and stop doing it. You're not living in truth. If you continue to go on this scale, people do not accidentally abuse. You don't trip into abuse. You can trip into mistakes. You can trip into sins, you can trip into accidents, but you cannot trip into abuse. Once the intention is harmful, it doesn't matter what the action is. So if your intention is to make somebody feel awful or to hurt them or to feel superior over them, then your intention is on purpose. People know what they are doing. They're not clueless to this. This bugs me so much. I hate that. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, you did. Are you that dumb about your own life? If you are, you've got other things that you need to deal with besides this because you're delusional, my friend, and you need help. When I was growing up, my grandpa was a very mean man. He just was. That's how we knew him. And when my grandma died, he got worse. So everyone would tell me, oh, that's just grandpa. You know, that's just grandpa. He treats everybody like that. Except he didn't. It, it was kind of reserved for those that he really didn't like. And I was one of those people. Um, he, I invited him to my wedding and we were doing a dinner, so we needed an RSVP. And my grandma, my mom hadn't heard from him yet. And so she called him up and said, are you coming? And he yelled for an hour about why in the world would Mandy be inviting me to her wedding? I don't want to go. I'm like, well, then don't go. Nobody wants you there. I only invited you out of obligation anyway. So now that you know that you don't like you and I don't like you, then we're fine, right? Okay, so I got really, really tired of hearing how much my grandpa hated me and was uh, just disapproving of me all the time. And I quit going to family dinners where he was. My dad is, um, he doesn't like confrontation. And so my grandpa would come over and 
where's Mandy? And he would give some, my dad would give some lame example of, oh, you know, the kids are sick or busy or her husband has work or blah, 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 blah. And so uh, he would always just give these, oh, excuses um, as to why I wasn't there. Now, this was before my parents had disowned me and they were still speaking to me. This is why I know this there was a dinner where my dad was sitting right next to my grandpa. And I had been hearing for years now that grandpa's just that way. He doesn't know what he's doing. And we just all need to be understanding and accept that. And I kept saying, no, he knows exactly what he's doing. And my grandpa leaned over to my dad and he said, where's Mandy? And my dad went to start saying the same old vitriol. And my grandpa stopped him and he said, it's because of me, isn't it? Oh, you mean I was right? Weird. Or not, because guess what? I live in truth. Yes. And the hard truth there was that my grandpa knew how he was acting. So did I. I didn't like it. He didn't care. So you don't trip into abuse. You know what you're doing. That is not... And the insanity plea doesn't work under these conditions, and it needs to stop. Again, look, rationalization, justification, explanation. If you have to say it, you aren't. We reside on two separate planes in this life. We reside on the physical plane and the spiritual plane. Now, no, I am not talking about religion. I am talking about the metaphysical. I am talking about those things that we can, that are abstract, not concrete. Emotions are on the spiritual plane. And emotions are honest, always. If you got the best gift you've ever had in your life, it's the one that you've always wanted, you're going to be happy. You're going to be excited. You're not going to be mad about it. If somebody you care about dies, you're not going to go around ding dong, the witch is dead. You're going to be sad. Emotions are honest, always. And we are born with every single emotion that we need. There is no emotion store that we go and fill up if we're lacking. I would like today to purchase an extra dose of boredom because I need it. I'm going to my AP chemistry class. Is not how it works. We already have all the boredom in us we need. We have all the happiness in, it, in us that we need. We have all the sadness in us that we need. The thing about it is, it isn't the emotions that get us in trouble. It's how we display them because that's where we stop being honest. That's where we stop living in truth. We think we're not supposed to be angry or hurt or disappointed or frustrated. And so we try to pretend that we aren't. And therein is one of those truth is hard. If somebody hurts your feelings, you need to be able to say that hurt. If somebody ticks you off, you need to say, that ticked me off. Now, again, you don't need to be mean about it. You don't need to hurt them over it. You just need to be honest with the emotion that is going on because our emotions are honest. We as a society have forgotten that. 
there are so many bad things that are happening to us as individuals and groups because we have forgotten that. We need to get back to letting our emotions be honest. If we're sad about something, be sad about it. Now, don't carry the sadness into martyrdom and victimhood. How tall do I need to build your cross? But be sad and then move on. I'll give an explanation for this, an example. Uh, I had an aunt who, not a big fan of me, so we didn't talk a whole lot, uh, but she had a lot of loss all together. Her husband and both of her parents all died within like a five-year period of time. And <clears throat> she was at our house. I was older. And I went up to her and I said, um, you're going to get angry. And she looked at me. She said, Mandy, I'm not mad at anybody. <laughs> not what I said. I said, you're going to get angry. Now, the thing about it that you need to realize, when it happens, you're not crazy. And don't try to stop it. Just let it happen. So the next year, she comes back to our house and she comes up to me and she says, I want to thank you. I'm like, whoa, all right, <laughs> let's hear this. Because she was laying in her bathtub and she said, just this anger just swept over her. Now, if I hadn't told her, she would have thought she was being bat crap crazy. But I told her. So she just sat up and just started screaming and crying. She said it lasted for 30 minutes. She didn't try to stop it. And then it was over and she laid back in her bathtub and she didn't have to feel it again. A lot of times the reason we carry these emotions forever is because we don't let them be honest and truthful. We stop what's going on and we try to display something else or react in a different way. If you are happy, be happy. You don't have to try and justify it. Just be it. Now, you don't have to put other people down because you're happy. Just be happy. But here's the other thing about our honest emotions. They are ours. Nobody else's. You cannot make somebody else feel something and they cannot make you feel something. We don't have that kind of control over each other. And we need to stop thinking that we do. Oh, you make me so mad. No, you're mad because of what happened, not because somebody made you that way. So we need to allow the emotions, not think that somebody else is creating them for us and stop displaying them incorrectly. This alone will make our society like so much healthier, you won't even recognize it. It seems so simple, and yet we're so afraid, huh, honest emotion, to do it. Why? Why are we so afraid to do it? Because we think that if we show that we're excited or that we're proud of ourselves or that we've done something good, then we're being prideful, selfish, and arrogant. Trust me, those emotions come from insecurity and self-loathing, not doing good things for ourselves. So we need to pay attention to why we're actually feeling something and allow that to be our truth. So in discussing emotions as being truthful, we come to something that is a paradox and people question, but I'll try to explain it. 
Truth can be relative. Now, I told you emotions are honest. So how can truth be relative if emotions are based in truth? Well, there are some overall truths that are not relative. Killing somebody is bad. Uh, Raping somebody is bad. These are overall truths. But if, well, I have a client, well, I have a couple, but I have a client who is gay. And I was telling her, look, your truth is that you are gay. That is not my truth. I am not gay. And so your truth, your gay truth is relative to you. It isn't going to be my truth. So you can understand that truth can be relative. Now, it's important to know this because I stole uh, <laughs> Einstein's theory of relativity haha, to uh, describe uh, a way that you can look at how to see situations in truth. Now, I didn't really steal it, and I'm not using it for physics, and I'm not changing it. Um, but I am using his E equals MC squared. And the reason I'm using this, I'll tell you, is because I had a client come to me and she said, Mandy, I want a formula for this. I'm like, I don't have a formula for this. So I came up with one off the top of my head and I grabbed truth is relative and E equals MC squared. So thank you, Einstein. And that's how that came about. <laughs> All right. The E stands for the big issue being blamed. The M is for the real or truthful issue. The first C is where is the real issue coming from? And the second C is how are you going to handle it? I'm going to give an example to have that make sense. And then I'm going to explain how you can apply it to your own life. So I had this client who was on vacation in China and her friend who lived in China had told her that she could stay with her in order to save on money and be with somebody that she knew. Well, in the middle of her vacation, I get these frantic texts going, Mandy, this is horrible and I have to leave and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, okay, explain this to me. And she said, well, my friend doesn't like that I'm not religious and that I drink. And I kind of said, um, did she know this beforehand or did you spring this on her? And she said, no, she's known me for a long time. I said, then that isn't it because I have lots of friends who are different religions than I am and who drink and I don't drink and I don't care. I have friends who love coffee. I personally hate coffee. Please don't hold that against me. I just don't like the smell or the taste of it. Nothing against coffee drinkers. I have friends who adore coffee. So when we get together, they drink coffee. I don't care. I don't kick them out because all of a sudden they're drinking coffee around me. So that isn't the real issue. But that was the issue that she was blaming it on. Now, I asked her, what is the actual real issue? Because it has nothing to do with drinking and religion. I mean, are you trying to convert her to your religion? No. Are you trying to make her drink? No. Then that's not, again, the real issue. So the real issue turned out to be that her friend wanted to parent my client. She wanted to control her and be in charge of everything that she was doing. She didn't want to give her her freedoms and let her do what she wanted to do. 
So that was the real issue when my client would go off and do whatever she wanted to and come back at any time that she wanted to come back. My client's friend wanted to take care of her and felt like she wasn't able to do it in the controlling way that she'd wanted to do it. There's the real issue. So now that we have E and M, let's look at the first C. Where is the real issue coming from? Well, the real issue was coming from the fact that her friend did not feel like she had a voice in her own marriage. And so she was trying to take that out on my client. If she didn't have a say in her real family, then she was going to pretend that she had all the say in her not real family. Ah, look, now we're starting to make sense of this issue. Okay, so the second C, how are you going to handle it? I gave my clients several options. I said, you can leave and go get a hotel and finish your vacation in the hotel. You can talk to your friend about it. Tell her that this isn't cool and if she wants you to stay, she can't control you like that. Or you can keep your mouth shut and hate the rest of your vacation. I personally would try talking first. If that didn't work, then I'd choose the getting a hotel part. Um, But do you see that if it becomes the truthful, real issue, then you're not trying to get the person to quit drinking and join a specific religion. (laughs) You're actually addressing what is honestly going on. So... Let's give this an overview example of how you can incorporate this into your life and tell if your situation is truthful, if you're looking at the right issue and what you can do about it. So let's say that you get called into your boss's office and your boss says, you've been caught stealing money. Uh, okay, I haven't stolen money. Well, your coworker says that you have. All right, what's the real issue here? The real issue, I would assume, is that your coworker doesn't like you, is jealous of you, or wants to get rid of you for some reason or another. Okay, what is the big issue being blamed? The big issue being blamed is that the boss is believing your coworker, not you. So you need to switch that up, right? Where is the real issue coming from? Again, like I said, your coworker is probably jealous of you or wants a promotion or blah, 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 blah. Calling your coworker in to talk to your boss about what is going on together instead of he said, she said behind somebody's back allows you to actually figure out where the real issue is coming from. But it does it in a way that your boss is part of the conversation so that, like I said, you aren't getting stabbed in the back by your coworker. Now, this is a Most of us aren't being accused of being of stealing at our jobs. But if I give 
an extreme example, it's a lot easier to learn how to do things in the extremes than it is to learn how to do things in the small and simple things. That's why you'll see me give a lot of extreme examples. It isn't because I think that you guys all have this issue. Yeah, we're all going around stealing at our jobs. No, it's because that's an extreme situation, but it's a lot easier to apply the principles in those extreme experiences, right? So you get the idea. E equals MC squared. Truth is relative, but it's the truth that helps us deal with the situation instead of the lie or the ignorance. So you can see how you can apply this and start looking at every aspect of your life and are you living it in truth. I hope that you've been able to look at why truth is really important and what truth actually is and is not. And as you look to apply it to your life and look at your life more and more in truth, good and harsh truth, you can see that you will become a much more healthy and authentic person. So there is a statement that the truth shall set you free. Have you ever wondered what that actually means? I mean, seriously, if somebody comes up to you and says, you're five foot four and you have blue eyes and blonde hair, how does that set you free? (laughs) Free from what? That's not what that means. What that means is that if you live in truth, then you can become authentic and healthy And when you are authentic and healthy, you don't have to be weighed down by lies and nonsense and ignorance. You don't have to put effort in areas where effort is not warranted. You can simply live in truth and you can state it matter-of-factly and move on. It doesn't weigh you down.